0: Imagine that you're behind the wheel of a car and driving from point A to point B. Why did you choose that destination? Who chose that destination for you, let alone that route? What do you plan to do once you get there? What if you never make it to that point B? This show's goal is to discuss that journey. But from a life perspective, as we navigate it together, the laughs, the carpool karaoke, the pit stops, the detours, the accidents, the frustration, the glory, the subsequent social media posts. Only this time, we're in the car with you, let's go. In this episode, we define your ego and its masquerading self. We discuss how to befriend your ego through meditation and journaling with our guest, Stefan karadzic Stefan is the founder of After Ego, which is a holistic well-being passion project that he launched. With this practice, he brings together modern science and ancient wisdom to create a holistic approach to optimizing mind, body, and spirit. We're here with Stefan Karadzic, founder of After Ego. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Good to see you virtually and hear that deep voice. I think it's. Uh, I think it's worth our listeners knowing that we first met in the summer of 2016 in Amsterdam, of all places, on a business trip. And you were living in Dublin at the time, correct?
1: That's right, sir. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I had just been about a year and a half in New York City. And since then, we've gotten super close. You moved to New York. You've been in New York City now. What, two years, three years?
1: Uh, two and a half years, and yes, uh, uh, us meeting in Amsterdam and me moving to New York are two unrelated events. <laughs> Fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's key to call out. That is key to call
0: out. Kidding. No, no, I think that's that's uh, that's absolutely hilarious. The since we got super close, I mean, you've certainly gone through your own. Let's call it a a transformation journey. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But to me, I wanted to let you know, you've, you've certainly become a source of inspiration and admiration and especially around mindfulness, if I can kind of be specific and its impact on me has been immense. I, uh, you, we've, you've helped me unlock heightened levels of creativity and kind of help reframe what I thought to be peak performance. And so I, I appreciate that.
1: Thank you for saying that. And uh, thank you also for being super open-minded to try out things like meditation and mindfulness. Uh, I think there is, uh, regardless of what we do, there is a hidden unlocked potential that can be found You know, if we apply some of these practices in our day-to-day. So uh,
0: good on you. No, I appreciate that. You're actually giving me goosebumps just with that, <laughs> with that conversation. Uh, listen, I have so many questions, and we, we can discuss so many things. But I think for starters, I want to get into After Ego specifically. And I, I suspect that there was some intention around that particular name, especially given your practice around mindfulness and health and wellness. So let's start out with that. Where, what went into the name?
1: That's a really good question, and uh, I think um, to start off with, the actual name after ego is something that came to me during a meditation session, right So I was um, uh, sitting down and just you know doing this creativity meditation and thinking about what could be potential name for a, will- a wellness uh, business that I was. Uh, Kinda, I had at the back of my head for a long time. I wanted to, uh, to enter this space and really bring my passions to the public eye. And after ego came up. Actually, to be honest, the first name that came up was Altered Ego. And that was very funny because I was going back and forth between Altered Ego and After Ego for a while. And I landed on After Ego because I, I, kind of decided that it will be more interesting for me and people I want to work with to see what happens once we leave our ego completely on the side. And, uh, I wasn't actually even convinced that ego could be altered at that time when I was coming up with this concept. Now, um, on the, to a deeper reason on why to call, um, why to name a wellness business, uh, after ego. So it's essentially, it's a business that deals with yoga, meditation, holistic well-being through nutrition, sleep coaching, many different things. Um, it's really actually, you know, deeper reason behind naming a project like this comes from a personal story. And uh, this personal story is actually two years ago, an injury led me to really examine the relationship I had with myself, with my body and what I perceive to be a healthy lifestyle and healthy body. And um, You might be familiar with what (laughs) I'm aiming at, but um, yes, we played together a basketball match, which was a completely harmless, super friendly, uh, you know, creative outlet type of a game. But I found myself getting injured in the first 20 minutes of that game by landing, um, you know, in... uh, in a way that was, um, comp- like I was co- I compromised my right knee and ended up with injuring my right knee by my right ACL snapping me during that game. Right.
0: <laughs> I actually caught your head, your head, <laughs> the back of your head hit my left knee. And then I caught your head as you were screaming in pain on the floor. I have
1: no recollection of that event, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was somewhat sh- shell shocked <laughs> at that time, but, um, yeah, the initial, uh, you know, a couple of moments after the injury, I didn't know really what happened, but a doctor's appointment from a couple of um, days after confirmed that I actually completely tore my right knee ACL. Uh, I went into surgery, repaired my ACL, and in that way became, um, started a long process of uh, physical recovery, but also... Mental recovery that goes with an um, injury like this, and I say mental recovery because really, well, um, this is really funny. A couple of weeks before that basketball match, I was actually journaling and I wrote down a couple of things, and one of the things I wrote down was I should really look after uh, myself and not getting injured as I go and you know spend a lot of time in the gym and whatnot because I would be really unhappy if I wouldn't be able to have that part of my life. And lo and behold, you know, two weeks later, that's exactly what happens, you know? So, um, it's really, um, I had to in a way reinvent myself and what I consider to be the definition of a healthy lifestyle, which in short was going to the gym a couple of times a week, lifting heavy stuff, all of that, which I now find personally a little bit ridiculous, that that was such a big part of my life, I had to reinvent that that um, part completely. So I started actually refocusing on some of the practices that have been with me for a long time, which is yoga and meditation. I was still a newbie at that time. I, I did use Headspace, I did use meditation apps, but when I found myself um, tied to beds, this initial couple of weeks after my surgery meditation was actually the only form of quote unquote exercise i was able to do you know Mm. so i started getting really interested in seeing how can i heal my body through these modalities right so that's where after ego comes from you know after um you know, after that part of my life where I defined myself through how much muscles I was carrying around, how much aesthetically you know pleasing or uh un or how would you say unpleasing, not unpleasing, but um you know, um
0: You were jacked is you were you were right. <laughs> I wasn't in really great physical shape.
1: <laughs> I wasn't really, but um it was, it was really important to me, you know, and right. now I find myself on the other side of this, uh, leaving that ego aside and um, hopefully helping others do the same.
0: And that's, that's, um. and I do want to touch on, mm-hmm. I do want to touch on that because I had a conversation with a, a close friend of mine, and it was just in reference to us having this conversation and and doing this podcast and I made mention of the topic of ego to him. And I asked for him just openly to, to define it. And, you know, he's a, he's a very well uh, he's a scholarly individual and Mm -hmm. he, it created pause and it wasn't clear to him. His, his reaction was, you know, it's something that you could see, But it's really hard to describe and i'd be kind of curious to hear the way in which you think of ego the way in which you refer to it Mm -hmm. because a lot of what we do i find is we refer to ego perhaps in the in the second person but rarely in the first person
1: sure yeah that's a it's a really good call out and i think there's a lot of misconception when it comes to ego Um, The way I like to think about it is I like to think of it as a psychological concept uh, that we have of ourselves, right? So it's that inner narrative, inner voice, inner dialogue, or inner story that we keep on telling to ourselves. And usually this story is based on our past experiences, especially the ones in our formative years, Early childhood um, experiences I do think it 's a practical way of relating to the world, and essentially, the practicality comes from um, uh, your ego creates this separation there is a separation between you and the rest of the world right and actually, if um, funny, if you look into the origin of ego, it comes from Latin and in Latin means i right. Mm. So that's the the origin. And of course it was popularized um, through the work of um, personality theory and uh, the psyche structure of Sigmund Freud, right? So so he was one of the first ones to define it. And it's essentially, you know, in Freud's theory, uh, in his model of psyche, um, there are three distinct parts. Uh, There is the Eid, the ego, and the superego, right? Mm. The Eid is the primitive, and it's the instinctual part of our mind. The superego operates as a sort of a moral consciousness, right? And the ego is the realistic part in between these two. So think of superego in terms of uh, neuroscience. could be your prefrontal cortex, the id would be your uh, amygdala, your flight or fight response, Mm. and uh, ego is the gap. Ego is filling the gap in between, right? So, in other words, ego is our capacity to really perceive the material reality around us and finding the appropriate way to respond to it. Okay. Um, Now, this when this was when this theory was uh, published, I believe in 1920s. It created a lot of concern initially, mm. and it's because um, if you um, define ego in this way, there was this, there was a concern that uh, having uh, a strong ego was imperative, right? And uh, it was very much in conflict with what spirituality approaches were were telling us, where ego is almost ex- exclusively looked at as something bad, right? Something mm. that Uh, ties us to our uh, mortality, limits our uh, higher self, and so on. So on the other side, so I think now it's interesting to like kind of compare and contrast uh, psychoanalytical theory with what um, some of the spiritual teachings like to say about ego. One of the most um, interesting definitions I've heard on ego Actually, comes from a uh, Indian uh, mystic and spiritual master, Yogananda, and his definition of ego is: when he was asked what what's ego, he said, "Ego is the masquerading self, right? Hmm. So it's kind of a veil around your consciousness, around your true self, around the essence of who you really are," which I f- I feel like. It's a really, really interesting uh, way of describing it. Um, I think the way I approach ego today, and what I was telling you at the beginning, I think the truth is somewhere in between these two uh, ways of describing it. You know, I'm sure. Uh, I, I'm sure that if we didn't have ego in early informative years of us um, growing up, that it would be very difficult to relate to the world, right? Mm -hmm. On the other side, I think if we only identify ourselves with our ego for the rest of our life, uh, our hardships increase as we age and as we get more responsibility. So the truth is somewhere in between.
0: You know, this is that masquerading self, Mm -hmm. you know, we, if we just add some context to this, we're, we're in New York City and I think- Given that, given that description, we can see this in many shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it certainly um, allows for the opportunity to, for that ego to present itself. I was kind of curious from a practical sense and how you interact with others and whether it be as part of your practice or what you do professionally, like how do you see this prop its head up? And in what situations is it beneficial? And in what situations do you think it could be a, a detriment or a, yeah. a drawback?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. And something I, you know, tend to think a lot about. So let's start with the practicality of the concept of ego. Okay, so imagine if you know, we didn't develop this sense of separation between us and the rest of the world as we were growing up as kids, right? Um, you probably, you know, if you didn't develop this skill, this practical way of relating, you, you know, you might uh, have had a great career being a superstar meditator somewhere in, you know, in a cave in Himalayas, uh, which actually, you know, when you look at um, and biographies of some of these enlightened individuals coming from those um, you know Far East places uh, they actually that's how they've started at the very early age they started examining the nature of consciousness when they were kids for the rest of us that's not really something that's uh, reality you know we have to um, go to school we have to get a job we have to go through this process regardless how outdated some of these systems are, they're crucial for us to develop our intelligence and um, using language as a form of communication, right? Now, I think in that sense, looking at ego from a practical perspective, that inner narrative that tells you, hey, uh, I actually don't like math, but I like languages or I like whatever biology, and I'm going to go there and explore that for now and make a living out of that. I think that's where practicality of ego comes, uh, uh to, to help us mm. on the other side. I think when we only identify with our ego for the rest of our life, um, our life all of a sudden becomes this very tiring process, you know, as an, as a modern human being, um, you know, looking at looking back again at our childhood and how happy and fulfilled we were as kids. Yeah. I think like a logically we would expect as we age, that we will be increasingly more happy and fulfilled. And, you know, looking around, I don't think that's a reality for majority of us as our life goes on, we become gradually less and less happy and fulfilled. And we feel like there's all these obligations we have that we need to fulfill right so Mm -hmm. uh and i think big part of that is because we are only identifying with the ego part of our being and we're desperately trying to maintain it right Um, especially
0: in with how uh, pervasive social media is oh yeah
1: that's the um i was actually Writing down couple of uh, <laughs> couple of thoughts, and um, I was actually social media came up, and I think, um, I think you know when we identify or justify our ego self being the only way of how we perceive perceive ourselves, I think there's a lot of things that this drives It drives reckless hyper consumerism. Mm-hmm. It drives our fear of missing out. And you know to your point it's uh, it drives this polished out presentation of ourselves on social media right so certain social networks are almost capitalizing on this uh, of on this uh, trait we've developed online where we have to have picture perfect presentation of our life right to justify the ego existence of of our being and this is where I think we run into we run into a trouble where um Where we started with something which was very practical, but then we end up holding on to it for the rest of our lives
0: mm. you know you bring up you bring up a good point with regards to the ego and its how it drives behavior and uh, expectations of your identity mm-hmm. and in this case, consumerism, I recall reading. Uh, some sort of statistic. I think it was from Thomas Cook. Of course, this was pre pandemic, mm-hmm. but uh, based on a, um, a survey that they had ran like 71% of those that book travel with them or in the survey actually book that travel based on their intention to then post it on social media. And it's, it's just kind of interesting to to hear and connect the dots between something like booking travel social media and and ego. i I want to get a sense as to your own personal journey with ego. and i I certainly you know kind of want to reflect on this after this conversation. But what was your own evolution and or journey with ego?
1: that's the second part of the story, right? That's the second side of the coin from the, from the beginning, you know, the recent events have shaped the way I think about this particular wellness business, but looking more historically backwards, I think, you know, growing up, I think there were always high expectations, you know, growing up in Southeast Europe from, you know, loving, but very, um, um, parents that had, had high expectations of you as a kid. I think mm-hmm. I um, developed certain uh, ego, which a lot of people would, at least people that knew me from back then, would describe as even egocentricism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, um, through this constant life of competing for better grades, for being told how great you are by your peers, by your parents, you know, developed this sense of, well, I am this person. This is me. I am I'm so so great. To a point where you start annoying other people and where you start, started being obnoxious, right? You, where you always have to compete to be in the center of the attention mm-hmm. and so on. So I was really surprised in my later 20s when a lot of people started making comments and usually from friends and family how, um egocentric I was. It was mm. through jokes at first, sometimes through serious conversations. And then I was really kind of taken back by this initially. And then I started the journey of unpacking that and unfolding. Uh and we can get into some of the things, you know. Um, yeah
0: that I was doing to
1: to unpack that. But that was that was my starting point. That's the baseline, you know, when I look back. And um through many years of self-examination journaling therapy uh living in different actually parts of the world that also helped deconstruct some of that mm-hmm. uh, i was able to see wow i was an egocentric um and we can get into into uh you know some of the techniques and so on i do have like even a little framework i want to share with that everyone yeah. but um I-
0: I do want to yeah, when you were receiving, you know, I think I think absolutely, that'll be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I do want to get to so when you were getting that feedback, uh-huh. initially, I, I kind of want to label and earmark. Yes, that turning point for you. We're just kind of curious, in terms of the emotion and the reaction that might have been involved with that? Like how did that make you feel to kind of hear that feedback from those that you love and care about?
1: You know, when you, um, completely identify yourself, uh, with your ego, initial, uh, reaction to someone telling you something like this is always going to be resistance. Mm. Resistance to wanting to hear this, uh, taking it as a joke, not, not examining it. Then second stage is usually some sort of anger, you know, and you're trying to justify how that's not the case really. Um, And then I think the next stage is you're slowly starting to accept this, right? But you're not sure what to do with it. Right? That's where I caught myself It's like, okay, so this is what people think of me. And I don't want to just be stuck with this, you know, what do I do with it? You know, how do I free myself of my ego? Right. And that's where I started, you know, digging deeper into things like yoga and meditation, journaling, therapy, those types of practices help me put the puzzle together.
0: Wow, that's great. And I, I think this is such a relatable story. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because there are, to your point, some practical things that we all have incorporated. I think if you talk about journaling, Mm -hmm. with a lot of especially new yorkers but a lot of people that live in big cities this is a a normal this is a normal practice and Mm -hmm. you know you talked about unpacking uh, unpacking that through self-reflection through meditation yoga and such how can we you know if you could package some of that transformation into ways and techniques that we can leverage to integrate ego into our everyday life, Mm -hmm. what would they be?
1: Sure. Excellent question. Um, Before we get there, I just want to say that uh, one one other thing I I might have left out when I was describing, you know, my initial reaction. I think at at one point I came to this uh, conclusion that ego is bad for you.
0: Mm, yeah. That's something
1: I left out. I think it's really important <laughs> because then I started being completely the opposite person of the one I was mm. before, you know. And that was kind of me training myself not to. That was also ego playing because I was also training myself and protecting myself for receiving that feedback again. Got by it. Got being it. this guy who's not egocentric, someone who's going to take a backseat. And that's not right as well. I think now mm. that I look back, I don't think that's that's the, um, it's same like I don't know. I think there's, um, um, you know, how like when someone who's not, for example, let's take any example, someone who's maybe who had problems with alcohol, right? And then sure. this person stops drinking and then all of a sudden they, became, they become complete opposite, you know, judging other people that are going through the same struggle, you know? This is right. kind of that example just on a more subtle uh, kind of level, you know? So I don't think that's the case as well. I think the truth, as I said, is somewhere in between and we need to befriend our ego and learn how to work with it in order to create a little bit of distance between, us and our ego, Wow! be able to gaze at that essence of <sighs> who we are as a being. <laughs> so a couple of things. I think I actually, I was, again, drawing down a couple of my thoughts and a framework that I think was, that encapsulates all the experiences I had on ego, with ego integration and working on my ego, are, mm. imagine on um, like an X. Ex- it's two by two, and on X axis you have uh superficial, and then next to it you have deep. Okay. And then on the y-axis, you have uh the lower part inner and the upper part outer. Right? So there's four different combinations that can come out of this. I don't know mm-hmm. if I explained this well. Maybe we maybe we paused to, like a little drawing of this. Yeah. Essentially, I think. When it comes to inner, superficial way of uh, identifying and um, raising your awareness around your ego, a technique that has worked really well for me is journaling. Got it. And journaling in a way that it's just a stream of consciousness of, of your thoughts. And the reason I call it inner, it's obviously a reflection of of you know your own thoughts. But the reason I call it superficial, it's it's just the thoughts, right? So the thoughts. Are just again just one expression of your being, and they can tell you a lot, especially if you externalize them by either saying them, recording them, or writing them down. Mm. And um, uh, when I was going through my uh, meditation uh, teachers' training, uh, it was a 12 week program, and like funny enough, it's a 12 week program. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, As a part of our Uh, training we had to uh, journal every morning three pages upon awakening, stream of consciousness and then meditate uninterrupted at least 20 minutes every day without using apps or uh, guided meditations right so Mm. by doing that a lot of things have come up from that writing that has helped me really understand uh, what's my ego comprised of
0: that's great that's great, and just for just for clarity, yes. Journaling you would find at the intersection of inner and superficial. Did I get that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So on the x-axis, uh, I suppose the, the this is a, a two by two. So the the bottom two would be superficial and deep. Correct. For this to the right, and then on the y-axis would be inner, which would be at the bottom, and then outer.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: okay. Got it.
1: Yep. Now, to contrast the superficial inner technique of journaling, which, you know, don't get me wrong, it can be, you can go to some really deep places with it, but I feel it's just, you know, it's expression of your thoughts. Mm. I think the inner deep uh, technique that works uh, really well is actually that deep state of meditation. And, uh, and you know, oftentimes the initial stages, I uh, describe meditation as mind, mind training, you know, training your mind as the same way you would train your body in a gym. Mm -hmm. Uh, But after you get a little bit more uh, experienced with it, I think the useful framework to think about meditation is creating separation between you and your thoughts, right? And being that spectator of your thoughts and emotions, right? And this is where I think the deep meditation really helps you. Well, any meditation of any kind doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to spend so much time in it if you do it consistently but getting mm. to that place where you can observe your thoughts and not have an emotional reaction or not follow your thoughts that can also help you paint the picture of of uh, what your ego ego really is
0: mm. the you know and and I, su- I suspect that i'm probably a good uh, student of yours when it comes to that but for, for some where they might be a little bit skeptical of meditation or just trying to get into it, Mm -hmm. you know, where should someone start and, or how should they perhaps think of taking on things like meditation and, or, or journaling?
1: With journaling, I recommend there is a, there's a couple of uh, options out there. There's a five, five bullet journal. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called, it's a uh, very easy, like short practice. The type of practice that I was um, doing myself, it's an uh, approach popularized by this lady called Julia Cameron in her book, The Artist's Way. And essentially it's morning pages, uh, which is as simple as it sounds. Three mm-hmm. pages of stream of consciousness, first thing upon awakening, before you get any of the inputs of email, social media, work, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just let it all out. Um, When it comes to meditation, I really started with uh, Vipassana meditation, which is, you know, it comes from a Buddhist um, traditions and oftentimes it's translated as insight uh, meditation where you are having an object of meditation, which can be your breath, sounds, sensations, and you are trying to observe those uninterruptedly. For as long as you can until your attention is being drawn to something else and then noticing that your attention is not on the object of meditation and bringing it back hmm. is the process of meditation so this is where i started yeah and you know there's many different uh, schools out there i would recommend starting with something like headspace insights timer there's many uh, apps out there although i want to say if you are a complete beginner, the the world of meditation apps can be a little bit overwhelming to start mm-hmm. with, you know. Mm-hmm. We had this great uh, experience at work where our employer was, you know, offering programs and helping us uh, choose and where to start. Lots of people don't know where to start. And right. Also from our own experience, it wasn't just you and me doing it individually, but it was in a group setting, right? So even though we were using a curated content and a program it was with other people and that's those two things are really crucial mm-hmm. um you know starting with someone showing you navigating the seas a little bit for you and then doing it with others which is why in, in the approach uh, i advocate for and what i do with my clients is i like to take highly personalized approach yep. where um, I would sit down with the client and talk through what are the challenges they might be experiencing, what are they looking to get out of it. And I would record a personalized meditation that incorporates all of these things for that particular person. Um, That's great. And also sometimes we would meditate together. I would lead the meditation uh, on a virtual call. There will be other people joining. So we get that community aspect as well, virtually.
0: Yeah. You know that, uh, that in, in hindsight, that, I could see how that would be effective. And even when you introduced it to me, you had checked in and asked me how, how was the experience Mm -hmm. and the first handful of meditative guided sessions, um, you know, it was a little bit awkward. Uh, you know, you had to, I, I suspect you didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect, but then, you know, through, repetitive practice and through um, just kind of sticking with it I, I started to see the difference mm-hmm. uh, and then you start to kind of evolve and and it kind of ties in everything that we've just discussed in terms of being a spectator to your thoughts mm-hmm. thinking um, how you can be more clear not just from an identity standpoint but also in terms of being present with your current environment and what you kind of have in front of you as well. So, um, I, I, I love the, the tailored approach and, and the custom approach that you have then to your clients where you're recording something for them based on their needs. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, I just found that it works. Uh, this, you know, it becomes the, the whole process becomes a lot more stickier, the same way that, you know, when you would uh, go to a gym.
0: Mm, And mm. you're
1: you're just starting out looking at all the machines and all the, you know, bodybuilders in the corner, you know, pumping weights and like, oh, you know, what is this? It's so daunting. You don't want to even get involved. Sure. As opposed to having maybe a personal trainer and it comes with you in that first session and shows you the basics and then creates a tailor-made program for you, you know. Got it. Um, Instead of working out, we're just working in.
0: Which is... (laughs) <laughs> just as important where can so where can people find you now and how can they kind of take advantage of some of these tools or consume some of your content perhaps
1: sure yeah so um, my website is live www egocom uh, that's where the people can reach out find out a little bit more about uh, the types of sessions I offer. I'm also at uh, Instagram at underscore after underscore ego. Um, that's where I lead the daily free yoga and meditation sessions. So every single day for the last seven weeks, I've been uh, online leading one of those sessions and they're always going to remain free. So if you're looking to break into yoga and meditation, that's one, um, really easy way. And also, I'm starting to build out more and more content on YouTube. So if you're looking for some of those meditations, I actually just published a couple of days ago, a meditation for creativity on my YouTube channel after ego. Um, That's also a good place to get exposed to some of this goodness.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you again for being a guest on the show. Again, I can't thank you enough personally for how much um you, you've impacted me and and how i operate and uh, you've certainly given me ideas that i i didn't necessarily have before and so i appreciate you know your investment in in my development and uh, that of our listeners
1: likewise brother i'm so honored that you are inviting me to this podcast that you're doing this that you're also finding this way of create creatively expressing yourself so uh, the the pleasure is mutual. Thank you so much for your friendship and for inviting me here. That
0: time. 50, 50, 50. Looking at my is about that time. Rollie, rollie. Looking at my roly is about that time.